Welcome to CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care. I'm Wolfgang Vachon. This is a special episode. Ten years ago this month, March 2012, was our very first podcast. Since then, we've done over 230 episodes, during which we've covered a huge array of topics from multiple countries and numerous people. These have included well-known authors, educators, and practitioners connected to child and youth care, a lot of young people talking about their experiences, and then folks from outside of CYC, but directly connected to the worlds of young people. When I first started, I saw CYC podcast as an opportunity for me to learn more about and share all the amazing things happening related to CYC and also ask some questions about things that weren't working. I also wanted a way for people to stay informed about this field without having to buy or steal expensive academic journals. Journals which are often behind a paywall and thus rarely accessible to people who are not connected to a college or university. And the reality is, as many of us know, not everyone likes to read or likes to write. And so podcasting is a great way to share information outside of that medium. I've been doing a lot of reading and writing over the past several years, and I've been pretty absent over the past couple months as I've been finishing up and then defending my PhD, which was successful. Yay. Today's episode, I want to share some of that work, specifically the final audio drama series that I created. Today is also a day to say goodbye to my role as a host of CYC podcast. After 10 years, I've decided I want to shift some focus and more importantly, I want to shift what CYC podcast is doing. So the podcast is not ending. It is transitioning. Starting next month, Vivian Petruno, Salvador D'Agostino, and Christopher Cottle will be taking over. All of them have hosted episodes over the years. Salvador, many, many episodes over the years. And Christopher and Vivian have been the editors of the show for a long time. First Christopher, and then over the past couple of years, Vivian. They have some amazing ideas and big plans that they will be talking about in an upcoming episode. I'm really excited to listen to where they take CYC podcast over the coming years. For me, it's a bit like a, a realization of one of the original intentions of the podcast. I want to build something that I could then turn over to people who have direct lived experience related to the field of CYC. And all three of them do. And they also have the motivation and skills to grow the podcast into something new. As they start to take over, we're going to be releasing my latest audio drama series connected to my PhD. The series is called Hiring Care. So Hiring Care is an audio drama inquiry 
based on conversations I had with 10 practitioners who were taken into child protection services as young people and who have since become child and youth care practitioners. This audio drama inquiry follows seven characters based on the people I spoke with. The characters speak, debate, at times argue, and try really, really hard to understand each other as they struggle to answer the question, what do organizations who hire practitioners with residential placement experience need to know? This is really asking all social service fields to think about how do we support people with lived experience? What does that look like? What does that mean? What works, what doesn't work? And how do people with specific particular experiences experience social services, both as those inside the system and those working within the system. We have a lot to learn from the people who speak in hiring care. So we'll be releasing an episode a week over the next couple months. We may take a little pause to meet Vivian, Christopher, and Salvatore again. And you can learn more about hiring care, listen to another series of audio dramas I did for my PhD called Refiled, and read a whole bunch of articles and book chapters that I wrote related to the project by going to www.tuningintocyc.org. That is T-U-N-I-N-I-N-T-O-C-Y-C.org. I would personally be fascinated to hear what you think of the audio dramas. So if you have any thoughts, you can email me through the tuningintocyc.org website. I want to end today by saying thank you to everyone who came on CYC podcast over the past decade and shared their wisdom, their experience, their knowledge, their pain, their joys. And to everyone who listened, whether that's one episode or every single one of them, it has been a transformative experience for me. And I am so grateful for all the support and all the listeners. I'm also indebted to Vivian, Christopher, and Salvatore for their work on this show. And I'm really excited to see where they take the show in the coming months and years. And now, here is episode one of hiring care. Some people wonder why I became a CYCP. Um, when I moved, I like I grew up in a very Christian home. And so when I was asked to leave my parents' home, I took that really hard. Um, and I kind of, you know, dabbled in drugs and drank a lot. So but the thing that made me want to change are probably the youth workers that kind of, you know, kind of pushed me to go to school or that were there for me when my parents weren't. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of saw how much effort they were putting in for me. Um, and that was kind of like one of the reasons why I wanted to do that. And prior to going into the child and youth care program, my biological mother passed away. Um, so she, um, I, during that year, like I, I felt like I needed to finish school. 
So within that year of her passing away, I graduated um, grade 12. And then that same year, I moved into the uh, child and youth care program. So it was kind of a mix of both, you know, the youth workers influence and also having my mom pass away kind of really impacted the way I saw things. So it kind of made me want to do something better with my life then. You know, it's weird. Um, I have like, like when I was 15, I think the one thing that I was missing out on was like that maternal bond. Um, I wasn't really, I was kind of angry at the whole situation with my foster parents giving up and changes happening. So I think mentally, I kind of was looking for something to fill that void. So the majority, um, so the people that I bonded well with were kind of all the similar age. And they were, they kind of provided me like that maternal, like motivation to do something. I think the youth workers that I met kind of understood or saw that I was different than the other kids in the group home. Like I was respectful, never swore and kind of had good um, set of values. So when I would go out and go use or go party and all that, they really kind of pushed that back on me. They kind of gave me reminders that I could be doing better. And that kind of stuck with me. So yeah, I think I think for me, like they put a lot of time and effort and invested a lot in wanting to like invite me over for a, like holidays and kind of wanted to include me when I felt excluded from my family. So they kind of were there when my family wasn't. So that kind of spoke volumes to me. And I also, like I said, I, I dabbled, I used a lot of drugs. <laughs> and so I definitely, um, you know, looking to the side, I saw youth workers that were there and that kind of spoke volumes too, right? So I, um, it's different when you have a bunch of people that I know that they're, they got paid, but it just meant a lot that they would stay there a lot with me. Welcome to Hiring Care, an audio drama about being from and working in care. I'm Charlotte. Everyone, well, okay, maybe not everyone. It's not always clear. Let's say most people you are about to meet grew up or spent time in the child welfare system. So child welfare, a quick explanation. This means group homes, foster homes, semi-independent living, kinship programs, extended care, those sort of things. We went into the system for a variety of reasons, mostly having to do with someone determining that our parents weren't able to take care of us. Some of us agree with those decisions and some don't. I went into care at the age of 
13. I, I think like when I look back on it, 13 seems to be the year that I remember it the best. Now I've aged out of foster care. So I'm beyond the age of majority. I'm on the end cusp of post-majority services. Where I'm from, they have programs that support you while you're attending post-secondary schooling. Not everyone does. And they, um, they support you up until the age of 26. So I graduated last year from a child and youth worker program. And if I were to continue with my studies, I would have three months left of post-majority support. Um, I've had a variety of different roles within the last six years in relationship to the child and youth care field. Everywhere between being a child protection worker, to being an advocate, to being a policy consultant, to being a youth surveyor, to being a youth um, representative on a, on a youth advisory council for the child welfare ministry. So what is this podcast? It's a series of conversations with a group, a group of people about growing up and then working in care. It's part fiction, part documentary, part research, and mostly true. Although some details, names, and other specifics have been changed. Hiring Care has seven episodes. We recorded them over multiple weeks, so they sort of flow from one to the next. But we're not sure that you have to listen to them in a particular order. Each episode has a short introduction by a different one of us. This introduction was written first, and we think of this as episode one. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Hey, it's Charlotte. Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. Hey, Charlotte. So I was thinking more about what we were talking about the other day, and I think it's a great idea. Do you have time to talk? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Great. Hi, Leela. Period. My name's Charlotte, comma. I was given your number by Ashwell, period. He said he spoke with you and that you might be willing to be part of a conversation with me and some other people about child and youth care. Question mark. Text me back. Question mark. Thanks, period. Charlotte? Do I know you? Hey B, it's Alicia. I'm calling to see if you might be interested in having a conversation with me and some other folks about being a child and youth care practitioner who lives in foster care. Oh, and uh, guess what? <laughs> I was also in care. Surprise! What? How long have I known you, Alicia? Dear Terry, my name is Charlotte. I'm not sure if you'll remember me. We met once at a CYC conference. Uh, yeah, where you presented on therapeutic foster care. I hope you are doing well. I'm emailing because I read what you wrote in CYC online about lived experience and child and youth care. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to have a discussion with uh, some other CYCPs about lived experience. 
if you are open to it, yeah, yeah, if you are open to it, please email me your number so we can connect. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you, Charlotte. Hmm, nice to know some people keep up with the literature. Hi, this is Leela. Leave a message or better, just text me because who leaves messages? Hi, Leela. It's uh, Charlotte again. <laughs> I guess I leave messages. Of course you do. Anyways, I uh, I hope it's all right to call you. I, uh, I'd really like to have you join our conversation. We want to talk about like what it's like to be from care and to work in care. I, I know we never met, but Asheville said that you might be into talking about some of your experiences, you know, like the benefits and the challenges of, of, of being a CYCP from care. Anyways, um, you know, if you're up for it, it would be great to hear from you. Thanks. What? You don't know any other black people, Charlotte? Uh, so one of the main challenges that I currently fail, uh, and it's a part of, uh, of my why specifically getting through post-secondary is to get that stupid piece of paper that says I'm a CYCP. And, and I constantly face the struggle of, but you're a kid in care. Like, like my colleagues that I work with at the CASs, they know my strengths, they know what I'm capable of, they respect me to a certain degree, but at the same time, I'm not sure what it is that's stopping them, but I've never been able to be in an actual position of power or, or a role. And I'm not even asking for all the power. I'm asking for the power of what I'm capable of doing. But it's never granted to me. And one of the, the main reasons I think that they constantly push that is because, you know, you are a part of the system. You grew up in the system. And it's not that I'm perfect or I know everything about the CYC program. But when it comes to the actual relational aspect of CYC, that is something that I'm already very good at. But I think from being from child welfare, they feel like there will be a time where, <sighs> I often hear sometimes people say, someone's never cured of being from child welfare. So I feel like, like there's this constant fear of me potentially having a breakdown. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking of. Like, like maybe I will have a really shitty emotional day with triggers and I go back to being that 13 year old that they knew me as. Hello? Oh, hi, uh, uh, Terry? Yeah, Charlotte? Yeah, <laughs> sorry. I, I just, I didn't think anyone answered their phone anymore. I mean, I, I don't. All display. Right. Well, thank you for picking up. <laughs> You're welcome. So, you wanted to talk about 
lived experience in child and youth care? Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, I really liked your article, and it's, uh, it's kind of timely. Um, I was speaking with a friend of mine, uh, Alicia. Do you know Alicia? Uh, Alicia? No, no, I don't think so. Oh, well, ho hopefully that you will. Um, she's great. She works for the school board. Anyway, she and I were talking about being from CARE and working in CYC, and uh, we've been reaching out to some other practitioners who were also in CARE. And then I saw your piece, and I thought I could reach out to you as well. Um, because some of us were thinking that, you know, it might be cool to have some, like, uh, you know, like conversations with CYCs from across the country. Um conversations about what yeah um so so like we've noticed that our current child welfare system wants to employ more people with lived experience and care uh-huh and and they like they don't know how to how to to support people from care what do you mean well if you want to hire people it's actually like a like a give and take so i was thinking like I think knowing how to support people to navigate that in a workplace would be like a super like interesting approach for an organization who wants to employ former youth in care to take. Okay. But they don't know how to employ more people with lived experience in care and to hold space for people who don't have like know how to have a reciprocal relationship because they never have. Mm-hmm. That's a good point about relationships, Charlotte. People do not naturally know how to care. And if you've been taught well, you don't realize you've been taught. Care is not intuitive. Yeah, exactly right. And it's not a privilege to be, you know, like have experience in the foster care system. Um, it's actually a huge burden. Uh, you know, like the reasons for it are related to trauma. And so many people think care is intuitive. They think that it is just like being empathetic or being optimistic or being a caring human being. You are or you aren't. And I don't believe that. I think that if you are, you've been taught well, and, and many people have to struggle and learn how to care in a positive, healthy manner. So it can be really difficult to know how to care for others, and we don't. There's not a lot of education on how to care because people assume you already know. And that kind of, I think, you know, you know, perpetuating that idea of young people entering the helping profession because like they have this like kind of glorious insight into the care system that intersects with many, many roles in the child and youth care profession. Um, yeah, and, and I just think that is an unfair responsibility to put on people. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, we're in a really interesting place in, in that even when we think about anti-oppressive practice, that there's recognition and acknowledgement that the lived experience is expertise. You know, the lived experience of a racialized, uh, a racialized student in, um, in spaces means we need to, um, acknowledge and respect and honor and cherish the experiences that they're bringing. But you know, whoever the person is, is bringing to the table. I, I had a, a colleague who, you know, had a heroin addiction and lived on the streets as a, 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 and was involved in human trafficking. And she's starting to share some of that in that field. And, 
and people are just like, they don't know what to do with them, right? But it, it's happened, but it, it's shifting. So when people are brave enough to say, yeah, this is my story, um, I think we're starting to be able to listen to those stories. And, and that makes it so that other people feel safe enough to go, wow, if you can say that, and this is what you're doing, then I'm safe enough to say that as well. Yeah, like exactly. I think what I would love is um, to create like a booklet or a podcast or a video or a, a, like a something about how to support someone with lived experience in care in your organization. And at the same time, still be holding people accountable for, you know, um, like, like working on themselves. And I, I think it's hard to hold space for people with lived experience in care. Uh, and I think people get, you know, like nervous about it. Um, you know, like nervous about triggering them or, or nervous about kind of like doing the wrong thing. When I was learning and growing in my early years, you wouldn't admit it. Like, because then you wouldn't get hired because you would have been like, there was something you were tainted goods. Almost. There was something wrong with you. Oh, goodness. I can remember. I can remember someone I worked with. The supervisor saw the youth worker had anti-depression medication in his bag and they fired him. Oh, my God. <sighs> wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I mean, do you think that I could just, uh, just like ask you something, Terry? Sure. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of like, you write a lot about, uh, you know, like lived experience and about foster care, child welfare, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I, uh, like I've never, uh, like I've never seen or, or read or like even like heard you disclose if you're from care. Um, so I just, I just wondering, like, are, are you? Why do you want to know, Charlotte? Um, uh, well, you know, like, I guess, I guess because, you know, this project is about people from care working in care, you know, and, and we're trying to have conversations with people who have care experience. Good reason. You know, as a rule, I don't disclose about my own lived experiences. Mm, okay. Uh, why not? Well, I, I think it changes how people read my work. And I'm not sure I want to let them off that easy by reducing me, categorizing me. I prefer people to think about why they want to know. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Okay. Uh, well, you know, okay. So if, if you are from care, it, it would be so awesome to have you as part of this conversation. And you know, like if you're not, then like, I want to just thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today, Terry. You're welcome, Charlotte. And you know, I, I really do hope to hear from you. Okay. Goodbye, Charlotte. Bye, Terry. I'm, I'm always torn. Like, I hate the whole, I've been where you've been. Like, I have street cred. I know where you've been through. I try to never position myself in that. Uh, on the one hand, 
We need to rupture the naive savior complex of many of our students who've never been in these systems and truly have no idea and don't know the, 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 the like kind of absolute violence and the multiple overlapping gaps and injustices that kids in these systems experience and how much that shapes their responses or like when you're a frontline practitioner and you're getting frustrated with someone because they keep showing up in a certain way, no matter what you do. Like if you don't understand what they've done to survive and you can't honor that. And, and you think a few techniques are going to resolve, you know, a lifetime of learned patterns. Sorry, but we need to get people out of their wide eyed savior complexes to, you know, in a way to like some, it doesn't have to be personal accounts, but just to keep saying like, hey, you're still not getting or it's it's not going to be like that in the field, you know, to sell our students like you're going to need a way thicker skin and way more patience and way more flexibility. But I don't like using my experience as an automatic connector because because mainly because I've now have safety. I have housing. I, you know, I have consistency and I've had it for quite a while now. So, you know, I no longer have that raw survival and the systems have changed. And so it's important, I think, to for those who, of us who have been there, that we never assume that it gives us a path and like this meta insight into what people are going through now or what they might be going through, you know. You know. You've been listening to Hiring Care, Season 2 of Tuning In to Child and Youth Care, an audio drama inquiry with child and youth care practitioners who have lived in residential placement, a PhD study out of the University of Victoria's School of Child and Youth Care. Hiring Care was created, recorded, and produced across many Indigenous territories, including the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat and Patuan First Nations, the Anishinaabe, the Six Nations of the Haudenosaunee, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Actors recorded from diverse territories, including the ancestral homes of the Munsee, Lenape, and the Canarsie peoples, Wekizgeek, the Mohawk and Algonquin First Nations, the Ojibwe, Chippewa peoples, as well as the Beothuk and Mi'kmaq. Hiring Care was scripted from 10 one-on-one recorded conversations with child and youth care practitioners who had lived in group homes, foster homes, semi-independent living, and related child protection services while growing up. This fictionalized audio drama inquiry recreation was performed by Carmen Mayers as Terry, Daniel Smith as Chelsea, D. Philpotts as Leela, D.M. Lafontune as Charlie, Evan Mercer as B, Melissa Williams as Charlotte, and Naomi Tesler as Alicia. Hiring Care was edited by Zoe Lunsky, sound designed by Shaheen Ariften, and scripted and directed by myself, Wolfgang Vachon. To learn more about Hiring Care, including cast, editors, and director bios, and to hear season one or read some of the publications coming out of this research project, please visit 
tuningintocyc.org.